Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday, the 22nd of July, and Wall Street was up 160 on the Dow Jones, but the Nasdaq wasn't. That was down 0.81%, and the S&P 500 was pretty much flat. We had a 155-point rally in our market yesterday, which has been testing my nerve as a fund manager with $73.7 million worth of money in cash, but I am unmoved today. The futures this morning were down 65. Our market is down 52. It's been down 64. The technology sector, which jumped 5.5% yesterday, has come off the boil again today. And we had a long chat this morning about whether we should get involved in the technology sector. And I have this to tell our investors. We will not be putting your money in the technology stocks at this price. Now, as most of you know, I hate finger-wagging. I hate the people that stand on the sidelines and go, it's all going to end in tears while share prices go up. But we have a choice to make. We don't have to buy the technology sector as it flies away. And our choice is that we're not going to get involved. We caught the first half of this rally from March till June, but we've missed the last bit. And now, as I've written about in the strategy piece today, there is all sorts of bubbly talk going on. The all-tech sector is up 90 99% from the March low. The Nasdaq's only up 57%. And there's an article in the AFR today with the title, Tech Billionaires Warning Don't Get Greedy. And I'll just read you a couple of lines from that to give you the flavor of it. For tech bulls, the virus has been the catalyst to highlight the growth potential of these capital light and zero marginal cost of production companies and their claims to ritzy premium valuations. For tech bears, that's just a load of bollocks. For them, these stocks bleed cash and don't make money while the founders are cashing in, selling out and making a slow motion scramble for the exits. The rally in share prices is just momentum chasing momentum. What a killjoy. And there's another article, Treasurer and RBA light the share market fuse is the AFR headline again. And that says there are signs of a bubble in certain parts of the market, particularly among stocks that derive their cash flows from e-commerce. Wizened investors have begun dusting off copies of works by noted experts on speculative bubbles. Galbraith summed up the typical speculative bubble with the following description in his book, A Journey Through Economic Time. Speculation begins when a price is going up and the presumably, presumptively, sorry, wise expect a further increase. They buy and thus produce the increase. More buy and more and yet more are attracted. Each price increase affirms the good sense of those that have bought before. Through this daily reinforcement, they become convinced that there is a God and that he wants them to get rich. Those who doubt are reviled as creatures of defective imagination. The buying and the supporting mood continue until the available supply of mentally vulnerable, economically viable buyers is exhausted. And then comes the changed view of the prospect, the rush to get out, the pressure now of creditors demanding repayment of the loans that finance the chase, the forcing the sale. In short, a crash. Goodness, as Winston Churchill entered the room. Anyone would think he was a fund manager holding nothing but cash, trying to convince himself that he was right. And he may well be wrong. But then again, he may be right. We'll see. There are 40 stocks in the ASX 200 now with forward PEs above 30. 
17 with PEs above 50. And two of the most popular stocks, Zero and Afterpay, don't have a PE at all because they don't make any money. Anyway, as I said yesterday, thank goodness this is a small sector. Otherwise, we'd be underperforming terribly. We're underperforming anyway, but we'd be underperforming terribly if this was a big sector. Well, thank goodness we're not a fund manager in the US. But it is fickle stuff and we have a choice. We don't have to buy because everyone else is buying. We can choose not to buy because we think the price is too high and the fundamental foundations are flimsy and that's our choice for the moment. Having said that, if you are in technology stocks and you're making a fortune, do not let my negativity or realism spoof you out of the sector. Hold them until they fall over. At the moment, they are still in a big uptrend and you don't sell them because they've gone up. You sell them because they go down and someday you're going to wake up. There'll be a terrible morning. You'll be looking at the open, hoping the damage isn't too big in the sector and maybe that's the day you sell. But today isn't that big sell-off. There is a sell-off today, but it's not that big. Wait till you get scared out of them. Don't get spruiked out of them by doomsayers like the AFR and any other finger waggers that are out there. Right, let's move on. Yesterday's market up 155. The Aussie dollar through 71 cents. There is a moment of Australian economic optimism caused by Philip Lowe and Josh Frydenberg, who gave us two barrels yesterday in different places. Philip Lowe was talking on a charity do virtual link up in front of a whole load of school children as it happens. And he talked about economic optimism and the RBA doing whatever is necessary and the economic outcome from the pandemic could have been worse. But he did interestingly say that the deficits being run up would have to be paid for via inflation, interest rates, taxes, bank charges and other means. I thought it rather funny that he was talking in front of school children and they may have gone back to their classrooms with a slightly uneasy feeling that they'd just been told they were going to be paying for all of our excesses and all of our rescues over the pandemic because it will almost certainly stretch out to the future generation. And whilst Philip Lowe was delivering the optimism, Josh Frydenberg was delivering the extension to JobKeeper and JobSaver, sorry, JobSeeker, $20.4 billion. And in so doing, he has pushed the fiscal cliff down the road, as Henry says, put an airbag under the September cliff and pushed it out to, what, January or March next year year. That does provide some economic optimism, but I have to tell you, reading the newspapers, reading the reaction from some companies, it's not going to make a huge difference. The Flight Center CEO described the JobKeeper extensions as only a minor plus, and other CEOs are making it clear that it is helpful, but it is not going to create a resurrection of the Australian economy on its own. If you think about it, spending $20 billion keeping people that would otherwise be unemployed in money is not exactly a solid, optimistic, exciting backdrop to the Australian economy. And just to kill the mood a little bit more, you might notice that Victoria have announced today 480 new cases. There was an article recently saying that the recovery from the coronavirus in Victoria was weeks away and that we were still in the exponential stage. And certainly the number of cases today suggests that. And as everybody walks around in Victoria with face masks and steamed up glasses, you 
begin to realise that there is no quick fix for the Australian economy, despite Philip Lowe's optimism and Josh Frydenberg's 20 billion. And as the CEO of Flight Centre said, what they really need to see is the reopening of borders. And whilst case numbers are still going exponential in Victoria, that's not going to happen anytime soon. On top of that, I give you the Australian 10-year bond yield and the US 10-year bond yield, which is bumping along record lows. And that is painting a picture of economic sobriety whilst the equity market displays economic exuberance you have to ask which one is best placed which one should an equity investor believe in the long term obviously the bond market tends to get it right in the short term the equity markets are heard the job is to make money whenever we can and we certainly thought about getting stuck in some recovery stocks today, but we've decided not to. And I think that number of cases in Victoria has probably killed our enthusiasm a little bit more. But very interestingly, on the charts after the rally yesterday, there were RSI buy signals on. There were only about 12 stocks, but five of them were Webjet, Qantas, Flight Center, Corporate Travel, which is actually down today because they're worrying about a capital raising, and Hello World. In other words, the travel stocks. You can see the moment they're really is some genuine Australian economic optimism. There are some recovery stocks that are going to fly. On top of that, you can throw energy. The energy sector was up 6% in the US overnight. They are clearly seeing it as a recovery sector as well. And some of the share prices, when you look at some of the stocks that you sort of want to buy that have flown already, these are stocks, travel stocks, energy stocks are right on their lows. There is obviously value. Is that the right word? If the earnings are there, there's value. But we're certainly not paying top prices we're paying bottom prices if those sectors did get going will they get going today the energy sector is having a good day today but it's not flying and i'm not sure that yesterday's rally is going to follow through but eyes on those recovery sectors for the day case numbers in victoria start to tail off for the day borders start opening those sectors are going to start performing again and some of them are quite small stocks the likes of qantas and webjet and flight center and hello world and corporate travel can, to use a bad pun, fly when the herd gets behind them. But not today. We have held off buying them for now. Right, a couple of other quick things before I summarise. There is some BHP caution around today. They had production numbers yesterday. There's a load of research out today. A summary of that's in the strategy piece. They talked about shrinking production in the year ahead to accommodate reduced demand for commodities, courtesy of the pandemic. And the research this morning sees some target prices below the current share price, some slightly above, hardly dazzling either way. Citigroup downgraded. And there's a headline in one article today saying Brazil vows to ramp up iron ore exports. That doesn't help. They say the impact of the virus on their operations peaked in April. They expect to accelerate exports over the next six months. At the same time, Chinese stockpiles have been creeping up and Morgan Stanley have a bit of research out saying the iron ore price is primed for a fall, saying prices have been boosted by speculative derivative buying in the last two weeks and in quotes, the current disconnect could set iron ore up for a significant price decline. The iron ore price at the moment is $107.58 a tonne, and they have an $80 target price for the final quarter of 2020. So resources may be coming to the end of their rally, although I've put a chart of BHP in the strategy piece today, and you'll see there's no technical reason to be selling them just yet. Right, that's about it. So summary today from the strategy 
front is disappointingly not buying. Apologies, I know you're going to get bored. You're going to tune out because I won't buy anything. But yesterday's 155 point rise was testing the patience, but today's now 71.4. I don't think the market likes that Victorian case number. 71.4 vindicates this sort of sideways motion in the Australian market at the moment and it looks like that's going to continue. Yesterday created a moment of economic optimism but we're not rushing in and we're encouraged by the fact bond markets didn't respond yesterday. As I say we had a debate over the tech sector whether we should be buying anything decided that there will be no buying of high priced tech stocks with our investors money. We'll let everybody else in the herd throw themselves at the momentum but we're not going to be doing that I'm afraid and technically the market has popped a little bit but we're still if you look at the chart although we bust out of that little pennant that I drew the other day we are still very much in a sideways motion I also have something in the newsletter today sorry I forgot about Commonwealth Bank which was up 3.6% yesterday which was a pretty big move they're down 1% today APRA speaks at lunchtime today and they will possibly address the bank balance sheets or capital ratios and the appropriateness of them paying dividends in light of the uncertain outlook and in particular the Victorian lockdowns which has seen the banks extend their mortgage holidays which is not terribly good for the sector. The CBA has been running into the results coming up on August the 12th. We have sort of missed the wicket trying to buy them for our income fund but this is not a growth sector. Interest rates are close to zero. Margins for the banks are close to zero with it. The housing market set to fall 10% in the middle of this year. It's not sexy and if we go and pay up now we're going to be paying up 10% more than we could have done three weeks ago for a 3% yield. It just might not be worth it. Anyway, let's see what APRA says today. That's about it for those of you getting bored with my inactivity. Can I refer you to Chris's trading ideas in the newsletter and Henry's take? Henry's been kicking a few little goals recently. For instance, his stock of the week last week was DTC. It's up 15% today on earnings guidance. It's a software as a service company. Market cap 200 million. Anyway, for those of you looking for a bit of action, the newsletter's got plenty of it, even if the boring fund manager isn't doing anything. Maybe we should get someone more exciting to run this fund for us. Ben, have you got that number? One three hundred dollar cowboy? See if John Wayne's available. Much more fun. You have a good day. We'll pick this up again tomorrow. I am just a cowboy Lonesome on the trail Starry night, a campfire light. The coyote call, and the howling winds wail. So I'll ride out to the old sundown.